0: What is going on in your heart? What's been going on in your heart this week? What is going on in your heart this morning? Is your heart troubled by fears or cares? Or would you say that there is a song in your heart today? Are you so filled with the Spirit that you are singing to the Lord in your heart Is the Spirit of God so permeating your thoughts and emotions that thankfulness is overflowing from your heart? Well, I have a a very important announcement to make this morning right at the beginning of the message. You can live this way. It says so right here. You can be happy enough that you go around singing and praising God from your heart, You can be so content and feel so blessed in the Lord that you're always giving thanks to God for everything. You can be so filled with the Spirit that you are lifted right out of your circumstances and into joyful singing and deep gratitude to the Lord. Not only can you do that, in fact, we are commanded to live that way. That is the message God has for us in these verses it says right here the days are evil yes the days are evil there is wickedness there is trouble all around life in this world is not easy yet we are given a prescription here for how we are to live life in these evil days as as it says And I would summarize these verses this way. God tells us to live wisely in evil days by living continually filled with the Spirit, singing and giving thanks in all things. To me, that is the essence of these verses. And he begins by telling us to be very careful. Be very careful, then, how you live. Most of us are used to being being careful about some things. Most of us know that life has some dangerous things in it. People are in car accidents. People drown. People get sued. Plaque can build up in your arteries. You can fall down the stairs. You can get burned on a hot stove. So how do we deal with those things? You take necessary precautions. You buckle your seatbelt. You put your life jacket on your kids or you put life jackets on your kids. You use a hot pad when you take things out of the oven. You are careful. However, these physical kinds of dangers are nothing compared to the spiritual things that can wage war against your soul. It is about these things that God says to us through Paul, be very careful because the days are evil. Life is spiritually and morally dangerous evil influences are at work around you and even at times upon you. There are many schemes and snares of the devil. You can be ensnared by bitterness, anger, malice, sexual immorality, covetousness, idolatry, or drunkenness. You can be captivated by fears and anxieties or despair, which are just as dangerous to your soul as any other sin. So, We should be concerned about driving safely, about having a good doctor, but we should be far more concerned about living in spiritual safety. As verse 15 says again, be very careful then how you live, how you live your life. And especially be careful about what you let go on inside you. Be very careful about what you let go on in your heart and in your spirit. That is where Satan has his arrows aimed. Be very careful with your thoughts that you allow yourself to think. You know, maybe uh, you run into somebody's fender in a parking lot at the grocery store and you get upset that you're and worried that your car insurance will, will go up. Or somebody said something on Facebook that really irks you and you're just stewing about this and you want to give them a piece of your mind. Well, at least a part of the application of, the, of this verse is to be very careful to not let the issues of life control what is going on in your heart. Something else is to fill our hearts. Something else is to flow out of us. This verse continues. It starts, be very, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise it's just telling us to be wise in how we live making the most of every opportunity or as the ESV says making the best use of your time use every moment of your time for god use every moment for the best that that moment can be used for if you if you spend an hour or a day in bitterness or anxiety or fear or complaining or being mad at somebody can you get that time back You can't. So be careful, very careful, it says, with every moment. Verse 17 goes on, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Foolishness is just ignoring whatever the Lord's will is in this particular moment. It says it is wise to know, to understand, to know and do the Lord's will. And he's not talking here about whether you should live in Iowa or Africa or whether you should sell your house or buy a new car or a used van or whatever. He is talking about doing, understanding and doing God's will in spiritual and moral matters. He is talking about doing God's will rather than doing evil. He is talking about doing God's will in your heart, in your mind, and spirit you are to understand the Lord's will down to your every thought and attitude. For example, he says, Do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Getting drunk is foolish. It is not the will of God. So he says, Do not get drunk on wine. The wise thing to do is to not get drunk on wine, but to be filled with the Spirit, to be singing in your heart to the Lord, to be always giving thanks to the Father. And so the context is, be careful to live this way. This is the wise way to live. This is how you use your time wisely, by being always filled with the Spirit, singing, making melody in your heart, always giving thanks to God the Father and all things. But he especially starts out here with this admonition, do not get drunk on wine. And and I actually think he could have started with a lot of other things. He could have said, do not do this, do not do that, but be filled with the Spirit. There's a lot of things that he could have said, but I think there's a particular reason why he says, do not get drunk on wine. You know, today we call repeatedly getting drunk an addiction, The Bible calls it being enslaved to sin. Sin is enslaving. But our culture thinks it's ignorant or cruel to call drunkenness a sin. But to call it a sin actually gives hope and shows mercy. If drunkenness is only or merely a disease, that means you probably or at least possibly have no hope of getting over it or no hope of getting well. But if drunkenness is a sin that has enslaved you, there is an answer. There is the hope of being born again and being filled with the Spirit, so that as a born-again, Spirit-filled person, you can obey exactly what Paul says here. You can obey this command, even if you've struggled with alcohol in the past, do not get drunk with wine. Do not get drunk with wine or on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And there's an obvious contrast here. People drink to forget their troubles and their worries. They drink to medicate their sorrows. They are looking for a happiness that they don't have. And so the question is, for all of us, where do you go to get your happiness? Where do you go to get happy? Where do you go when you are discouraged or anxious or depressed? Do you turn to excessive drinking. Or maybe it's not excessive drinking for you. Do you turn to overeating, or watching TV for hours on end, or excessive shopping, or do you start dialing the phone and calling person after person after person, or do you turn to the Holy Spirit to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And the very clear idea here is that our peace, our joy, our exhilaration is from God. We find true and deep, meaningful happiness in communion with God and with His Spirit who dwells in us. So Paul is saying, don't turn to alcohol for peace. Turn to Jesus Christ for peace. In, in these evil days, don't turn to anything else for your happiness turn to the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit. Well, most of us that have been Christians for a while have heard this term, be filled with the Spirit, and there's probably a lot of different impressions or thoughts or questions or maybe even fears that people have when you hear that, that phrase. So, I just want to talk a little bit about what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Well, we know what it means to be filled with sadness. That means that your heart, your thoughts, your emotions are permeated with sadness. Now, I am not relegating the Holy Spirit to just a feeling or an emotion. Okay, I'm not. Don't don't mistake that. But the Holy the Holy Spirit is a person, and we're gonna we're gonna get into that. But we know what it means to be filled with something in a way that affects everything about us. It affects how we talk, it affects our emotions, our feelings, even our bodies. Most of us know what it is to be filled with anger. It affects, it affects all of you. Your face gets red, your muscles tighten. We know what it is to be filled with anxiety or fear. Your mind is just filled up with thoughts about that thing that you're worried about. You wake up in the morning and immediately you start worrying about how that thing is going to ever work out. And you start imagining all these different outcomes and they all end in disaster. And so your heart rate goes up and you feel stress and there's just this, this anxiety that you're filled with. Well, to be filled with the Spirit, to be filled with the person of the Holy Spirit means... To have your heart, your thoughts, your emotions permeated with the Holy Spirit. It is something that affects you to the point of singing and thankfulness. Okay, It goes that deep. It is that total. It is that inner. It is not a, just an exterior things. It is not just a phrase that we pray, God fill me with the Holy Spirit. It is something that permeates us, that saturates us saturates us, that affects everything about our outlook, our words, our attitudes, and what we do, and everything that comes out of our heart. It means to have your whole life under the influence of the Holy Spirit. You know, instead, drunkenness is to be under the influence of alcohol. To be filled with the Spirit is to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. It, is give, it means giving up your right to complain, to murmur, to be discouraged, to sulk, to be hard to get along with, and so on. It is yielding to the Holy Spirit so fully that you are full of the attributes of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It is yielding to Him so fully that you are filled with love, with joy, with peace, with patience, with goodness, self-control, all fruits of the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit is not passively waiting or hoping for some new feeling to come over you. It is actively giving the Holy Spirit total access to your heart and your mind and your life. It is is choosing, is choosing to live in the righteousness, peace, and joy of the Holy Spirit. Paul said. Paul Paul quoted that verse in Romans as a. That's that's a summary of what it means to live the Christian life. It's that's kingdom living. That is living now in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God consists of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That is what that is what our life is all about. That is the atmosphere. That is the that is the address where you live, so to speak. You live in righteousness, peace, and joy. In the Holy Spirit. And you do that by by an active choice. If you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit is present in you now. He is alive in you. He is a real person. He He is not just an influence, although we are to be under his influence... But he is a real influence. He is a real person. He is always breathing, willing, working within you. He is always inspiring you. He is expressing his will to you at all times, day and night, in your home, or at work. We know that he is communicating his will to us because he can be disobeyed, therefore he can be grieved. So this is a constant living Real activity that is taking place within your being. And again, as I say, we know that he is expressing his will to us at all times because he can be disobeyed and therefore he can be grieved. We know that he is like a fire burning within us because he can be quenched. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, Do not put out the Spirit's fire. There is something so real about the Holy Spirit that it is like a fire burning within you. I mean, if you have a fireplace at home, uh, not many people have real fireplaces anymore, but if the fire is burning, you know it's burning. If it's out, you know it goes out. You know if you have quenched or put out the, the fire or not. I mean, the Holy Spirit's presence is that real. He is like a fire burning within us. We know that the Holy Spirit can so saturate our heart and mind He can so saturate us with such joy that we are singing and making melody in our heart to the Lord and always saying thank you because that's what it talks about right here in this passage. And I'm not trying to be redundant, but I'm just trying to help us see the Holy Spirit is in you. The Holy Spirit is that real. The Holy Spirit is that much at work. The Holy Spirit is that dynamic of a presence within you always working, always willing, always speaking, always inspiring, always communicating his will to us. So to be filled with the Spirit is to just just let him have it. Let him have us. Let him have you totally and completely. So how do we we begin to live this way? And and for most of us, it's probably the question is, how do we begin to live more this way? Well, I think you can ask to be filled with the Spirit. Jesus said the the Father gives good gifts to those who ask. He gives the Holy Spirit to all those who ask Him. You can ask for the Spirit of God to permeate you with His joy, His love, His peace, His holiness, and His power. You can ask for that. And, you know, I honestly think, you know, when Jesus talks about, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it, these are the kind of things we should be asking for. I mean, if we really know what is important in life, if we really know what matters, if we really know what we really want, these are the kind of things that we would be asking for. And, you know, I was having coffee with Josh this week, and he said something that he was t- talking about someone. And he said, I am really hoping that that person will start praying for the things that God wants to give them so their prayers will be answered. And so these are the kind of things that we should be praying for, and we can pray for these with absolute faith and confidence that they are the will of God for you. And if we know that something is the will of God, then we know that we have the things that we have asked from him. So that's all good, and we should do that. And what, I, what I'm going to say now doesn't counter that. But I do want to point out, this passage does not act, actually tell us to ask to be filled with the Spirit. It says, be filled with the Spirit. It is a command. You have a responsibility to be filled with the Spirit. You do. 24 hours a day in your home... With your wife, with your kids, when things are going well, when things are not going well, when things are easy, when things are hard, when you're blessed, when you're tried, you have a responsibility to be filled with the Spirit. So this is just a command to us to be careful how you live and the way that you be careful how you live is you live full of the Spirit. Now, you can be filled with the Spirit um, because the Holy Spirit wants to fill you. All right? I mean, we are not the filler. He is the filler. And, But we can be filled. He will fill us. You can be, be filled. You can be confident that He will fill you because He wants to fill you. I hope, I hope that... Makes sense. He earnestly desires you, and he earnestly desires to fill you up. He is jealous for you. Again, I say he is the filler. He is ready and eager to fill you. You have to take the lid off, so to speak. You have to take the lid off the glass. You have to open your mouth and drink. You have to actively let the Holy Spirit permeate you and saturate your being. You don't have to work up something. And I think some people are mistaken um, about this feeling that somehow it's your responsibility that you have to, to uh, work up some special, weird, uh, super sensational feeling or thing. You don't have to work up something. You have to open up something, your heart. Being filled with the Spirit is much like the image of Jesus standing at the door of the church in Revelation 3.20. And he says, here I am. Or some translations, behold. NIV, it says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. And I believe being filled with the Holy Spirit is very much like this. The Holy Spirit stands at the door of your heart and is knocking. He wants to fill your heart. He wants to have your heart. He wants to control your heart. He wants to flow out of your heart, and out of your life. And so he stands at the door of your heart and he's knocking. He says, if you hear my voice, open the door. And he says, I will come in. I will fill you. He wants to. He's eager to do that. Now, I'm going to go into the realm of experience here just a bit. Um, Experience has to be based on Scripture. But I'm going to go into the realm of my own personal experience because I just thought about this this week. Um, How do I personally really experience being filled with the Holy Spirit? And I'm going to share with you that in my experience, I find that I am filled with the Holy Spirit uh, when I practice three things. And I I don't want to reduce this to a formula, but this, this this is how I most fully personally experience being filled with the Holy Spirit. Number one, I find that I am filled with the Spirit when I take adequate time alone with God to be reminded of the truth and promises of God's Word. I personally need times when I go to the Scripture, when I go to the Word, when I give God my full or my whole attention and I focus completely on seeing Him as great and good and loving and fully able to take care of me. The Bible was written by the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to go into all the verses that teach that, but but it's true. The Bible was written by men moved by the Holy Spirit. And part of being filled with the Spirit is being filled with the truths and the promises of the Word. And I really don't know how you can be filled with the Spirit without having the mentality, the truths of Scripture, the hope of Scripture, the promises of Scripture filling your thoughts and your minds, feeding your soul, For example, uh, just earlier this week, uh, one night uh, when when I was up reading scripture, I I I just happened to read Psalm 103. It was just the next next psalm in in one of the places I was reading in scripture, and I just read this verse: "For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love for those who fear Him." And I just, you know, I thought about that. You know, I imagined how high the heavens are above the earth. How high the the stars, the sun, the moon, the stars, the galaxies. Just imagine how high uh, all the, the heavens are above the earth. It's higher than we can possibly even imagine. And God says, that is how high. That is how great my love is for you. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, that great is my steadfast love for those who fear him. And just just being reminded of those that kind of promise, it it just that particular night that I read that, it just it just lifted my heart, as it were, to into heaven. I mean, it just lifted my heart from from my earthly and worldly surroundings, and I felt filled with the Holy Spirit from being exposed to the truth and the amazing, incredible promises of God's word. Number two. I find that I am filled with the Spirit when I effectively renounce all forms of worry and fear and place all my trust in God to save me, to help me in every way, in every situation. And the word that I use, renounce, is very important. The word renounce is a very strong word. It means to reject something or to repudiate something with force. Jesus said, do not let your heart be troubled. And part of the way that that you are filled with the Spirit is not to worry about anything. Part of the way that I experience the filling of the Holy Spirit is to be is to is to be absolutely totally firm against worry. Do not let your heart be troubled. Oswald Chambers said uh, something that has always stayed with me. Those of, those of you that have been around me in life group or something over the years have probably heard this. But he said, bad attitudes do not go out by praying them out. They go out by kicking them out. And that is so true. And that's what, you know, that's, that's what Jesus said. He said, if you're troubled, he said, don't, don't, don't pray not to be troubled. He said, let not your heart be troubled. There's a, there's a forcefulness. You repudiate it. You renounce it totally. And I personally find that I can't be filled with the Spirit. I can't be singing and making melody in my heart. I can't be giving thanks to God about all things when there is this weight of worry in my heart. Now, for you, it might be something else. Okay, It might be that you really have a problem with critical thoughts. And so, so for you, what you need to kick out is critical thoughts. There might be something else. It might be that you are prone to thoughts of self pity, and so the, the the bad attitude that you need to kick out is self pity. I, I can't. So, so, in other words, I'm sharing my experience. I'm not necessarily laying this out as a you know a biblical absolute for everybody. Hope you understand that. Number three, I find that I am filled with the Spirit when I effectively deal with all my guilt and condemnation by by turning away from and confessing something that I know is sin, and, most importantly, by placing complete confidence in Jesus to remove all my sins from me, or I should say that he has removed all of my sins from me. In other words, I experience being filled with the Spirit when I keep my eyes on the cross and glory in the cross. I mean, I glory in the cross and the sufficiency of Jesus' death on the cross to deal totally and completely forever with all of my sin. Because you just can't be filled with the Spirit when you've got any kind of weight of guilt or condemnation in your heart. It needs to be dealt with. And God provided for that to be dealt with. Through through repentance, confession, and through faith in the work of Christ, the complete, total, sufficient work of Christ to cleanse us, to totally cleanse us from all, all sin. And I find, in my experience, that when I practice these things, that I, I find that, I don't want to make it sound magical, but I just sort of find that the Spirit just rises up within me with joy and singing and thanksgiving. I find it more of a spontaneous thing uh, that, that I just, just am filled when I, when I kick out the things that shouldn't be there and, and open the door to the things that should be there. Now, verses 19 through 20 go on to describe this kind of amazing outflow that happens when you are filled with the Spirit. Verse 19 and 20 describe the, uh, the outflow of the Holy Spirit that you will see in your life when you are filled with Him. So, it's, it's, uh, it really, it's all one sentence, so I'm kind of breaking it up here. But, um, do not get drunk with wine. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, and then it goes on to say, speaking, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making music in your heart to the Lord. It is a fact that filled with His Spirit we sing. That's a line from a song that I sing actually quite a bit, James Ward, way before your time. Nobody will get that. But it's a phrase in a song. And actually the phrase goes, God is a singer and filled with his spirit we sing. And that's true. It's a fact. It's an unalterable fact. That when when we are filled with his spirit, we sing. And the idea here that Paul is presenting or the Holy Spirit is presenting through Paul is that knowing God, knowing God and being filled with him is so wonderful that just talking about it is not good enough. These are things that demand singing. You know, if all we can do is talk about justification or forgiveness of sins, if all we can do is kind of talk theoretically about the love of God in some sort of kind of academic or theoretical way, then something is seriously wrong. We are to know the truths of Scripture. We are to know... The truths of justification, the truths of God accepting us, the truths of being adopted as his children. We are to know these things in a way that causes us to sing. Words, just speaking, is not enough. So, we are to be speaking to one another in songs, or the ESV says, addressing one another in songs. So, You know, just think about how people normally address each other and what a contrast there is. You know, instead of addressing each other with sharp, angry words, instead of pouring out a steady stream of negative words or negative complaints, instead of talking about how bad your problems are, it says, be speaking to one another or be addressing one another in songs. Instead of quarreling with one another. You know, the passage we talked on a couple weeks ago, it says, it put away all clamor. Instead of fighting with each other, instead of noisy quarreling, there should be joyful singing among us. That is the, the, the difference the Holy Spirit makes when we are filled with him versus when we are not. And it says here, we sing for each other and to each other. So, for example, if, if you sing a song that we sang a few weeks ago here at church, a mighty fortress is our God. Most people know that, the old Lutheran hymn. If you sing a mighty fortress is our God, in a way, you are certainly saying to God, you are saying to the Lord, in my stresses, in my troubles, and in my fears, you are a fortress. You are a mighty fortress. But you are also singing... To that person next to you. You are also singing to the other people around you. You are saying to them. You know what? You need to be encouraged this morning. Because God is a mighty fortress. You're singing for them. You're singing to them. And that's what it says. We should be speaking to one another in psalms and hymns. And spiritual songs. Verse 19 goes on. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. I, I love the uh, I believe the NASB sing and make melody singing and making melody in your heart to the lord such a such a beautiful description of what should go on our heart when we are filled with the spirit jb phillips translation says make music in your heart for the ears of the lord you know we sing to him because the lord is worthy of our singing we sing to him because he is our inspiration for singing You know, all the love songs that are written, it's that other person that causes you to sing. And it's the same in the the Christian life. We we sing to the Lord because he inspires us to sing. His love for us, his goodness to us inspires us to sing. You know, I mean, maybe maybe you might be going through a period of time in your life where, where there's not a lot else that would cause you to sing. But he does. And that's why Paul says rejoice in the Lord. Paul never, ever said rejoice in your circumstances. He said rejoice in the Lord. And If you're filled with his love, his promises, his spirit, you will sing to him. David said, I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing to my God to my last breath or as long as I have my being. This this kind of Of joy in your heart this kind of joy in God this kind of joy in the spirit this kind of joyful singing in the spirit opens a thousand doors, it solves a thousand problems, it overcomes a thousand bad circumstances it brings deep satisfaction and a sense of well-being that nothing else can even come close to if your heart is happy in the Lord truly happy in the Lord then you have all a person could ever want in this life. You know, Proverbs 15:15 15, 15 says a cheerful heart has a continual feast. And that's kind of what's being expressed here. We could say a heart filled with the spirit has a continual feast. Another part of being filled with the spirit is that you're always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. Thankfulness is an overflow. It's it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's it's a it's an Outflow of having your heart filled with the Spirit. And when you're complaining, the Holy Spirit does not have the primary influence in your heart. I mean, it just doesn't. That's a fact. You're not filled with Him when you're complaining. Part, the, the part of the filling of the Holy Spirit is that it overflows with, with gratitude and thanksgiving to God as your Father. You know, we can get used to. We can get so used to, to, to going around saying things like this. Oh, I'm having a really bad day. When it rains, it pours, you know. Things did not go well at all. Oh, well, what are you going to do? I mean, some, sometimes we can just let a continual stream of anti-spirit thoughts and words flow out unchecked. And sometimes seemingly with no awareness that our attitudes and our words are so against the spirit. And I've never heard that phrase before, anti-spirit, but it just it came to my mind as I was thinking about this, how we can, we can, instead of being filled with the spirit, we can actually be spewing out attitudes and words that are really anti-spirit. Quenching, shutting the door, so to speak. A Christian missionary by the name of Hannah Hernard wrote in the book that the secret of victorious Christian living is to go through each day praising God for everything. As I look back at the past few years of my own life, I am astonished beyond words by two things. First, the complete transformation of my whole life outlook, inner experience, and most of all in my own character, as well as bodily health, which has resulted from the practice of this one simple principle, to react to everything with praise and thanksgiving instead of grumbling, moaning, protest, and resistance. The second thing that she said she was absolutely astonished was this, second, the extraordinary fact that I had lived as a Christian and a missionary for so many years without realizing that this is a vital Christian principle. You know, Guys, gals, we really are called to live filled with the Spirit. You know, we really are. It's not just just kind of a phrase that we use. We really are called to this kind of, of lifestyle. People filled with the Spirit, people filled with God's perspective are always seeing something to give thanks for in all things. You know, when Paul was thrown in prison, he didn't say... Man, this is terrible. My whole ministry is destroyed. It's over. I will just rot here in this cell. I hate this place. No, he said, Now I want you to know that what has happened to me, being thrown in prison, has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers, brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? I love that. So what? The important thing is that Christ is preached. And because of that, I am happy. Now. Literally, he says, because of that, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. He says, I'm going to be happy all my time here in prison. I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I share that example to communicate that this thing that we're talking about, this thing of being filled with the Spirit, is not just God talk. It works in prison. It works in hard, hard, really hard life situations. And it means something. It goes to the very core of your being. It goes to the very core of how you are thinking, how you are talking internally, and how you are talking to others. It affects you at the most basic level of your heart. Being filled with the Spirit affects the, the attitude it is, it, it, um, it, it is demonstrated in, in your attitude uh, that oozes out of your being. That look in your eye is affected by whether the Holy Spirit fills you or not. The countenance on your face is affected by this. The brightness in your words, the way your mouth is shaped, is affected by this. It's it's a total, totally affecting thing. This is not an abstract truth. To be filled with the Spirit affects you just your thinking and your heart, your perspective. Just like Paul, what I read to you from the Apostle Paul. So I'm going to close this morning by asking three. I'm going to call them application questions. Number one, what are you filled with right now? And that's not a question just to ask right now. But it's really a question to ask a lot of the time. What am I filled with right now? And if it is anything other than spirit if, if it is anything other than singing and giving thanks, repent. Become aware of what you are filled with. Become aware of what is flowing out of you. Second question. Are you committed to being under the control of the Holy Spirit in every facet of your personality at all times and in all places with all people, including your spouse? Do not be content to live five minutes without the filling of the Spirit. And I, I'm not saying we, we all do that. I don't do that, okay? But, but we should never be happy about it. We should never be content with that. Do not be content to live five minutes without the filling of the Holy Spirit. Nothing is important each day than this. Really. You know, my dad used to have a saying. Um, he, he would say something he was going to do that day. And he, or, or he would say this. Before he would say what he was going to do that day, he would say, If I don't get anything else done today, I'm going to get this garage cleaned out. Something like that. And it's good to have that kind of purpose. Okay, but we should say that about being filled with the Holy Spirit more than anything else. If I don't get anything else done today, (laughs) I'm going to be filled with the Spirit. And I'm going to give thanks to God. And He's going to find me making melody in my heart. And the third is just, I mean, do you want this? Do, Do you really want to live filled with the spirit. Do you want to have a song in your heart? Do you want gratitude and thanksgiving to be flowing out of your heart? You may you may have to renounce you may have to renounce a lot of other things that are there right now in order to make room for the spirit. See, it's it's not you can't have drunkenness and being filled with the spirit, right? Probably most of us would agree with that. But you also cannot have anxiety and being filled with the Spirit. You can't have jealousy and being filled with the Spirit. You can't be filled with covetousness and filled with the Spirit. You can't be filled with anger and with the Holy Spirit. I mean, Paul could just as well have said, do not get drunk on worry. Do not, As he did, do not get drunk on wine. The point is, you can't be under the influence of any other thing if you want to be full of the Spirit. So I hope you do want this, and uh, I I say this in all humility and by the grace of God, but I am on a determined personal mission to live this way, the way that life is described here in these verses. Many others here in this church, in this room, are also on that same mission, and I just invite you, if you're not there, to come and go with us. Decide that's really where you want to live, how you want to live. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, uh, for the clarity of it. We thank you for the glory of what you call us to. Uh, We thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. Yes, Lord, thank you so much for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that you want to fill our heart. Thank you, Lord, for this way that we can live that you've presented to us this morning and we we just we say by the grace of god we want to be very careful to live this way and we pray these things in jesus name amen